that there's a lot to be learned um, and some of it matters a whole lot. I think the stuff on video matters a ton. For me, the biggest take are, that I've gotten so far, ask me again in three months when I've done some more articles, but is that we've got to, we've got to design for processing. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from. My name is Matt Pierce. I'm the host of The Visual Lounge, where we talk about using images and video in the workplace. Today, I am so excited to be able to bring to you Patty Shank. And Patty has been writing a series of articles about research that's happened around using video for learning. And this is such an important thing because we often talk about making videos and I teach about making videos and videos are uh, such a great medium but what does the research actually say to make them effective? So we're gonna jump right in and let me go ahead and introduce Patty here a little bit more. Patty Shank, PhD, is an internationally recognized workplace learning expert, instructional designer, researcher, and author. She is the author of Write Better Multiple Choice Questions to Assess Learning and Write and Organize for Deeper Learning and Other Books. These books offer practical evidence-informed tactics for improving learning outcomes. She speaks regularly at training and learning technology conferences, and her website is pattyshank.com. With that said, please help me welcome Patty Shank to the Visual Lounge. Hey, Patty. Hey, Thank nice you so to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, if everyone could see all the stuff that happened behind the scenes, they would, they would be so grateful that we, we've gotten here. But I'm excited to talk with you because one, your articles are fantastic, and I've, I've been learning from them and diving into them. And I'm excited to be able to talk to you about a topic that, you know, I've spent a good chunk of my career talking about video. So it's good to talk to someone else about it that's been looking at the research. So, but before we get to the research, let's, let's start with our first three questions here. I, I'm curious for you, how did you get started and involved with like using video and maybe kind of what's your current usage of it? Well, I, like most uh, instructional designers, video was known to be something that, that you wanted to use because it was engaging, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, it was obvious that there are certain things you could show in video that you just simply couldn't show in text and you couldn't just show with a picture or an image. And so I started using video years and years ago. I mean, I was in my 20s at, at the time that we started doing health education videos. Um, and we did it for a specific purpose. We knew that getting people to come to health education classes in the evenings was just not going to happen for most of the people that we wanted to talk to. Right. Um, and so I hired a videographer, um, and the two of us together started making health education videos, specifically on pain, um, pain therapies. We did a lot of videos on diabetes. Um, we did a whole bunch of videos and then we made copies of those videos and gave them out to patients in our clinics. Um, we didn't do it, but, but the, the nursing staff and the front desk staff, um, if a doctor said, Hey, give them the, the video on pain therapy. Um, and then they, so that's where I started. It was. My goodness, it was years and years ago, and they were really popular. So um, that's how I got started, and we got started in a big way using video during a time when computers weren't very fast, and 
um, it, it was, it was a real challenge to make those videos, but, but we knew in our hearts that having other patients talk to existing patients about how they had, um, gotten their hemoglobin A1C, which is a measurement of, of uh, sugar in the blood down, it really made a difference to them. And we loved it. It was a great time. Yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine that all the work that would go into making those videos then, and it's still, you know, let's be clear, it's still work today, but like the, the accessibility yeah. that we have is so much just easier, right? In terms of overall process. Yeah. So that's, I'm, I'm sure it's been fun to see the, the progression. Well, the next question I want to ask you, and, and this, you know, we'll probably talk more about this because we're going to ask you to define success for video, like high level, what does a successful video look like? But like, could you define that quickly for us? Is that something that you would have or is that we got to dig deeper into the research later on? I, I think from the research I've done so far and, and what I've read that success for instructional video means that people watch it, remember key pieces of it, and can use it. I mean, that's, that's what I've gotten so far. And you know, I'm, I'm just three, three parts into this right now. So I'm still learning a whole lot. But, but if people do not do what's necessary, or, or if we do not do what's necessary to help people remember um, remember key parts of it and use the, those in their work or their life, then we're not being successful. Well, I, I love that because it's so simple, right? Like, I mean, it's not simple to do necessarily, but it's a simple, it's really simple. We want any good instruction to be, right. I, if I'm taking the instruction, I should be able to remember, I should be able to do it. The, the outcome should be clear based on whatever it was we were right. teaching. Right. No, it, I think it's, it's simple, but not easy. Yes, I, I, I love that. Simple, but not easy. Um, so, so last question, and we'll dive more into the, the articles that you've been writing. You, as you mentioned, you've been using video for a long time and we've, you've seen the shift. I know we even talked earlier that you're still, you still do videos for different projects and stuff. If I do. You, if you could give a tip to some, maybe someone's out there trying to learn about making instructional video, what's one tip you'd give them to help improve their, their work with video? Um, I, for me, it's been it's been focus, focus on a very specific area, because if we go video, video for instruction tends not to be very long and we want to focus it on something where we can affect change for people. Um, a lot of people just do a lot in five minutes and video takes a lot of cognition. Um, it requires a lot of effort to, to process. So we should figure out what it is that's most important and, and try to focus there. Yeah. I, I love that because I, I have seen, interestingly enough, a, a shift. We've gone kind of too kind of bimodal, right? Like people are going to super short, like we call it micro learning sometimes or TikTok style videos. But I've also seen this kind of shift on the other side where like TechSmith runs a, a, not, it's about every other year, every third, third year, we'll do a study about like preference, video viewer preferences, right? Like, and that's, it's, it's not like what works It's more like, what do people saying they prefer, which so it's self-reported. Right. So it's, a, it's, a, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt, but we've seen that slowly shift in the preference that people are looking at long, 
preferring longer videos. You know, it was used to be right. three to four minutes was my consistent answer, but now it's like four to seven or four to nine minutes. But it really depends. It really just depends on the what they're trying to get out of it. So, right, it is it is interesting that I think uh, you're. But I, I love that. Like even in a nine minute video, it should be focused. Right. Let's focus right. on the one thing, not twelve things. Right. I for instance. Um, a video off of YouTube on how to replace a toilet. Um, and I know a lot of people have learned how to do that because it's easy, it's easy to do. But if, if the person on that video is spending a lot of time talking about plumbing in general, you know, replacing a toilet is a very specific thing. It's, it's, it doesn't require that you know a whole lot about plumbing. Right. Um, and, and so, when when I wanted to learn how to do that, I found I just kept going through videos until I found someone who said, "This is really a four step process. I'm going to show you these four steps." The four steps came up uh, on the screen, and then he said, "Okay, step one. This is what we're doing," and and I went back and did it. Um, not not great, but but um, the second try was a charm. Um, but, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be taught about, I just wanted to know how to do something. Now, in instructional video, sometimes that's a how-to video, right? And that's very specific. But when we're teaching concepts, obviously, we may go further and, and we may go into more things, but we all want to focus it back to what is it, what is the main an important insight I want you to get from this. Yeah, and and I love that that example, right? Because we've all been there. And I, I where I see a lot of videos, especially how-to videos, where they get I get dissuaded from watching them is it's it's the the cooking blog example I get. Right. right. Well, let me tell you about the history of the toilet and why this toilet in particular is really important right. to me. And it's like I don't care. I just I need right. to do right. this thing. But when you are talking, but if someone was interested in those deeper details, then that's a different video. And that would- It is a different. You'd position it differently, right? So- Right. Awesome. Right. And I love I love that this person knew that this was a how-to video. So I'm going to break it into four parts and you'll be able to follow along with me. Yeah. And nowhere to pause. <laughs> so you can do right. that. Nowhere. Right. No need to pause. Yeah. Well, well, Patty, I want to dive in. Let's let's talk about your articles because you've got, uh, I think, your three parts in. And so, tell us a little bit about the the articles that you've been writing for e learning industry. Right. So, when I do a series of articles, I start I start by just reading, and it probably takes me, I don't know, hundred hours to just read through a bunch of stuff. So I kind of get a picture in my mind of where I'm going. On this one, um, the picture in my mind started with, why would we use video? Um, a lot of people say, we use video because it's more engaging. Well, what does that mean, actually? And the truth of the matter is, engagement, the, the definition of engagement in the research has not little to do with the definition of engagement that I see from L&D. Um, so engagement 
is about whether people are willing to do the work of learning. And that means they finish the video, right? That rather than, you know, uh, five seconds in, they're like, nope, done. I'm, I'm not engaged. Um, and um, the work of learning is, is fairly intense. And so we've got a short period of time in order to engage people. But video isn't, isn't the be-all and end-all. It's a part of instruction. And if done well, it's a really important part of instruction. So that's, I mean, that's how I got started. No, that's, and I, and I love that. And I love that you're so focused on like taking the information in. And I think those are some fundamental questions because, you know, as I mentioned, I've been doing this, I've been at TechSmith almost 17 years. And so like my brain is now just hide, hide, hardwired to think about like, okay, let's just use video. And it's not all instruction that I'm doing, but it's like, okay, I just, I have a ton of assumptions. Right or wrong, I have a ton of assumptions. So I, I want to talk to you about some of these, some of the assumptions though, because I, you know, I'm, I'm going to, if it helps you, I'm referring to the second article and this question, uh, okay. part, part two and everyone go out and read, we'll, we'll link below in the stuff. You can go read the articles, but you've got this whole, uh, section about the processing, how the brain processes video. And I want to help, help me understand a little bit, like, how is video maybe different than other mediums that people might encounter when it comes to, as a learner, like absorbing or taking in that information? Because if we want them to watch the end, I think this is, feels like this is pretty important to understand what might be happening. Right. So a lot of this goes back to, and I think it's probably easiest to, to understand by understanding uh, Mayer's uh, multimedia principles. And the, the, what he discusses about how we process multimedia. Um, and, and there are some assumptions. There's three main assumptions there. One is the dual channel assumption. And that is that we process things that are images differently than we process things that, that are auditory. Um, and if the auditory and, and the image are, are talking about the same thing and they're relevant to each other, then we process more easily by having the two together. Um, if, if they're not, like for example, I'll give you an example of this one. Um, I've seen people do videos where Basically, they just had text, uh, just the text that was narrated on the screen. And there is no image and someone has to read the text while listening to someone else say the text. And it's a very hard to do. We read much faster than we listen. So that's a difficulty. Um, for example, if, if we have, text on the screen that that just picks out some key words and we have an image that we're describing with narration, it's easier. Um, so that's that's the the dual dual channel um, assumption. So another I, assumption is I, limited I, capacity. Yes. Can, can I ask a follow-up question to that? Because I, I think one thing Yes, I, absolutely. I think some people I've I've seen videos that are slightly different that they, they're not using any auditory. Maybe there's music, right? A music bed. No, but they're putting text on screen. And I've argued for a long time and I, and I'm no 
Dr. Mayer, uh, but I've argued for a long time that that's really hard to process because if I'm seeing two visuals, like uh, let's say it's a screen capture showing me a process to fix a problem or, or do something and I have to read that text, I'm, I'm going to get one of those, but I'm not, there's, it's really hard for me to get both. Is that an accurate? Yeah, from what you found? it is. So, so what, what uh, Mayer's principles tell us to do is to narrate, to explain. So rather than put text on screen to explain, narrate to explain. Now, that's problematic, right, um, for anyone who cannot hear. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so there are a variety of things we have to do at the same time. We also have to get to people who can't hear. Um, and um, I, I've looked into this somewhat, and I need to spend more time there, is... What is the cognitive load for somebody who is trying to read uh, our transcript while we're showing something on the screen? To me, it's high because it's the same as or similar to reading something while some, something on the screen that we're reading that is explaining the image that is also on the screen, which is right. you can't do both of them. That's where the dual channel assumption comes in, that it's good to mix relevant um, audio with relevant images, that, it, that it's helpful. So, so there's a problem. That's a problem. But, but um, so far, I don't think we've come up with, with a solution to that one. Yeah. I, you know, as... <laughs> As I get older, I watch more and more television with captions because it's harder to hear. It's cl the clearest. Yes. So maybe, maybe I get, maybe there's some assumptions there. And I want to be careful here, but like maybe you get more capable at certain things or certain tasks. You, maybe the brain compensates, but that is fascinating. If you do find stuff, that would be super interesting to talk about sometime. Well, I, I don't think there's a lot because I've looked, but, but what I need to do is get with folks who are accessibility experts and say, how do we solve this problem of explaining a diagram on the screen while they have to read a transcript? Um, you know, that's really hard. And let's say we had somebody doing deaf sign language at the same time. It would be the same problem. We are watching, we are watching something while trying to watch something else and make sense of the two at the same time and we can't. Um, so, and, you know, I, I did some work for someone who was doing um, captioning um, and he wanted some help in figuring out how do I make people do a better job of captioning while they listen? Um, and and I, don't re I don't remember the discussion. It was a long time ago. But again, that's where I first started realizing, you know, we've got some real um limitations in, in our ability to process. And so, as you said before, the whole processing thing is critical. If we don't do it right, people can't process the video well. Yeah. I know that we talked about the dual channel assumptions, but I want to understand better limited capacity and, and the active processing. So will you walk us through those quickly? Right. So, so limited capacity says that our processing systems are very limited. Um, we can only take in a few new things at a time and process them. So if, if the video is very fast paced and it's really moving fast, 
that's a real difficulty for people. So it's another reason for the, for why I said focus. Um, and the last one is active processing that we do not process video unless it's done actively. And, um, I started getting into that into in part three and part four will be about how do we actually help people actively process because the research is pretty clear that people can watch videos, think they got it and they processed almost none of it. Well, it's like uh, I've definitely watched shows or watched videos. I'm like, I don't know what happened. I wonder if it's something that like when you're driving, you get that kind of that effect too sometimes, right? Like I, how did I get from point A to point B? And I have no idea what happened. Right. And, and that's the biggest problem with video is that it lulls us into thinking we're getting something because our eyes are watching it. But unless we process and let's face it, we don't need to process movies necessarily, but, but in instructional video, we do. So, so we have to design for that. And you said that's in the next article. So that will be, I, I will wait for that. I will I'll resist asking and picking out all the cool things that I think I'm going to learn from that, vid- from that, uh, that topic. But I, I'm curious, as you've gone through this process and you, I know you're, I know you're still learning. Um, and you've I got am. Three, three articles in. Was there anything that you've come across uh, so far that you think about video that was just surprising? And we can we can go two ways, right? We can go like surprising, like, oh, wow, that's really great. Video is better than I thought or something's good about it. Or maybe there's the things like, yeah, that doesn't work quite as well as I, I would have expected. I, I think the whole processing thing, the fact that if we don't, as instructional designers and trainers, if we don't do the things that that make it more likely that people will process our videos are not worth the time that was the biggest one the other one the other one was from brain's article that i talked about in part three that um that that people can do things with video or we can learn things from video that we can not easily learn in real life. And so um, in science, and, and Dr. Brame is, is a, um, I think she's, uh, she teaches biology at the college level. Um, and she said, biological processes are not things that are easy to visualize. Mm-hmm. We, can't, we can't even look through a microscope all the time and see, see what's exactly happening. But we can use animation um, which is a, a type of video or a type of multimedia that is that uses both audio and image, um, and um, we can show people what's happening. Um, and that that's not. There are many things in life that we can't see what's actually happening. I, for example, let's say I was doing a video about um, a manager giving feedback to to her employee, um, and let's say the, the feedback is tense. Um, and on a video, we could show one person talking and the other person listening, and then the person listening talking. Um, but, but we can do, we can put things on that video screen, like the person listening 
we could put on the screen what she's actually hearing. Right. You know, so, so we can show things that are not obvious and not are, that are not easy to visualize. We can't visualize what, what someone's thinking, right? But we can make by visualizing with words or a, a thought bubble or something like that, we can, we can get to what's going on in their head while they're listening and the other person's talking. Um, there's just loads of instances where we don't see what's really happening and we can make what's really happening um, obvious on the screen. Yeah, well, you know, as you as you talk about that idea, I love that. I love that. Like, yeah, you can't see what's in someone's head, but you could you could display that. But even I'm thinking in like the going back to the home improvement example, right? You had to replace the toilet like. You could show me a diagram, but the, if there's moving pieces or things in there that right. are, it's like, it's hard. And my, someone's not going to rip out their toilet to put it back in to show me in real life, probably. Right. Uh, and so this, this is a way that I can, I can then see kind of all the pieces coming together with, you know, like you got to press in this way, you got to turn this, this, that way or whatever. So it seems like there's lots of, yeah, that those details kind of, they come together in a way that. Are, are just hard to recreate and hard to recreate over and over and over again, where ideally right. a video, hopefully, you know, someone's getting that knowledge, you know, a thousand times, a hundred thousand times, whatever, whatever it might right. be. Right. And, and that's another big surprise is that one of the biggest um, insights about how video can help us is, is by allowing people to review over and over at their at their leisure to to let them decide i i saw that i think i got it but i want to see it again because i didn't see what he was doing when he was twisting the thing you know yeah um and so that was another major big thing that yes if you had asked me 20 years ago um is the fact that people can review video more than once a big deal, I would have said, well, I, I don't know that it's a big deal, but it's a good thing. Um, and now I know it's a, it's a huge deal, which means one of the tactics that you and I need to follow is they must always have a player um, and they must be able to stop, start and replay. Um, that's one of the, the massive ahas about um, good video is don't just play video um, let people decide what speed to play it at, um, when to stop it, when to rewind it, those sorts of things. Yeah, that's uh, it's great insight. And I it's not, I guess, again, just my assumptions of the world as I take that advantage, because I always have that, it seems like. Because, right, right. But it, it actually leads kind of to where I wanted to go. I want to I want to read a quote from one of your articles. And, and I want to talk about the, the quote. Um, because I think one of the places where you could lose that control is in other settings. We often think, I, I think we've been kind of talking generally and on the show, we talk about kind of that web delivery, right? Where it's maybe asynchronous, you're not together with people. But so let me, let me read the quote and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. It says, a recent systematic review on instructional videos shows that changing existing teaching methods to video led to small learning benefits, but adding video to existing teaching methods led to large learning benefits. This review suggests that videos typically isn't a better alternative to existing teaching models, but it can improve learning when added to existing 
worthwhile teaching methods. And I, I, I posted something on LinkedIn on this. I tagged you on it. I, you may have seen it, but it I really did. struck me as like, okay, like obviously there's a place in this world for like this asynchronous web delivery. We're not together, but the really the how powerful it could be to say let's let's supplement or augment what we're doing in other spaces with video. And I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this and kind of what you're thinking from a kind of application standpoint and what would make that work well for anyone who might be thinking about doing that. Right. Um, I, I think the whole basis of um, uh, what's a, the, the word just left my head um, where you have people watch videos and then they, they come to class to do things. Yeah, like a flipped, like a flip, flipped classroom. Flip. Right, right. So, so I think that's the whole basis of flipped learning is that, and, and we started out here, right? So um, that video is not the, necessarily the best instructional, instructional medium. It's one medium that when used really well, does a great job, but it's, it's not, it doesn't stand alone. And so there are many times when I would look at people's courses and, and help them with what's needed for better learning than just a, a whole bunch of videos. Um, and part of it is, is the processing. Um, that's what this all came together for me in the processing is that we may not process that well while watching video, but we can make it so that people are invested in processing um, because the activities that happen first and happen afterwards or in the middle where you stop a video and say, what did you see? You know, that sort of thing. Um, and I, I think back to that, to the video that I was talking about where someone's uh, a manager is giving her her direct report some negative feedback um and hearing what's in her head and then stopping the video and sa saying what did you hear her say the manager say that made the the direct report the staff member um have those thoughts and it may be that she didn't say anything it's just that people you know, people don't do well with negative feedback. Um, so what do we do about that? So that, that we add processing into our videos, um, and so that people have to think about what they just saw, or they may say, let me see it again. Um, that sort of thing. Um, that's one of the biggest ahas I got that, that the processing is the instruction. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, I, and I'm and I'm terrible because I cannot remember which research study I read, but I remember reading at one point, and I, bad on me because I should have this up and ready to quote, right? Like, give this cite the source. I understand, but but it talked about the idea of pausing in a in a particular study that asked the the learner to watch the video and they'd pause at certain points and ask them to stop the video and then like either take notes or do something yes. along the line of like where they were cognitively kind of thinking about what they just viewed. And it might be middle of the video, it might be three quarters in, it might be someplace al anywhere along the way. And just how the the powerful imp impact it had on those learners. 
And I, and I love this. And I would, I, I've talked about this in different sessions I've given only because I love the simplicity of it. Right. Like it's not a hard, like you don't need any fancy technology. Now you got to assume that the learner is going to stop because you know, it's like the video is just running. They need to put, they need to pause, but, but it's just a, so I love what you're saying about processing that we can't just serve up the video and expect the learning will happen, right? We need to right. engage them and it's on either the bookends of that or the video is part of some other bigger process, even if it's asynchronous, right? Like watch the video right. and then what? Right. There has to be a follow on. There has to be an activity. There has to be, it has, to, it's not just the video. The video is content for the processing. Um, and so we have to build our videos specifically so that the major insights we want people to get are gotten through whatever activities we're going to do with that video. Now, with how-tos, um, the processing is afterwards. I mean, for, for being able to replace a toilet, um, what I did is just bring my laptop into the bathroom with me. I watched it three or four times, brought the, brought the laptop into the bathroom with me and watched each section and then tried to do it. Um, and so that's self-learning, right? Um, I need, I needed to be able to do X. And so I used the video to show me how to do X. So, so I was processing or I wouldn't have been able to do it. Um, but there's lots of things like if you want to learn a new crochet stitch or you want to be able to cook something or you want to know the best way to do sit-ups, um, you, the processing is going to come out afterwards, right? It's going to come by you doing what you saw. But in many things that we're teaching people, we're teaching them a lot. and and they can't necessarily process it all at once. So, so we have to help them with that. So Patty, I, this is, I, I am, I, my brain is whirling. Like I got so many, here. got so many good ideas and thoughts here. I, before we go into our speed round uh, questions, I want to ask you, I mean, you've been, you've been in industry for, for quite a while. You've seen video kind of rise and, and come and you've seen all the other trends and things that have happened through the years. Um, I'm, I'm curious, what, what are the mistakes you think people are currently making? Obviously, we talked a lot about they're not giving time for processing. Anything else you see that you think that's really maybe hindering folks in yeah. learning and development from being really effective with their video creation and their video usage? Um, yeah, I do see those things. Um, pro probably the biggest one, the one that happens the most often is, is background music. In the background behind someone talking, so you've got two audio inputs coming in that people are trying to process at the same time. It's not possible for, if someone's listening to narration and watching the screen, those two go together. The the background music doesn't um, necessarily, unless you've got, let's say you've got background music that ha has, um, I don't know, the sound, the sound of water going over, over uh, a cliff, you know, and you're talking about waterfalls. 
that yeah. sort of thing. So it, so it's part of it. Um, I see way too much and way too loud and um, audio going behind. Um, and I've written articles on this, and there and and one of them is on e-learning industry, and it's linked to on part three um, about the re what the research says. It just says with for if you're asking people to have to figure out how to focus, and you give them too much to focus on, they may focus in the wrong place, and they and when that happens, they're not they're not listening, they're not hearing. They're not seeing. Yeah, I think that's a great one. And one that I know we advocate here is, especially when it comes to learning, if you're trying to get somebody to learn something, background music does no favors. <laughs> right, right. Just just start with your background music and then just filter it out as the person starts talking. And you can do it again at the end if you if you need that music and want it. And I like background music too, but it's it makes cognitive load harder. For sure, for sure. Uh, I'm also for no reason. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm also a fan of if if you're you can use it for trans if you had it for if you had a longer video and you needed a, tra a transition point. Yeah. You could, you could use it, but yeah, it doesn't belong underneath the instruction. Well, well, Patty, it's hard. It is absolutely. I I have I have enjoyed this conversation. There's probably so much more we could talk about, but uh, given our time, I'd like to jump into our speed round questions. Just as a reminder to our audience that our speed round questions are going to be quick. Short answers. Uh, so we're going to play a little stinger video here and then we're going to jump into those. So here we go. We've got our dice cam, the TechSmith dice cam. I got a 12 sided <laughs> die. We are going to roll the die here and see what questions to ask you for these questions. All right. We get a two. Okay. So, Patty, this, I think this is going to be uh, interesting because you, you put a lot of time and effort into trying to learn about video, but also just your career of, of learning about instruction sure. and all those things. Sometimes we should talk about uh, questions and answers. And that's a, that's a different show though, because we quite fit <laughs> with this topic. But how did you, like, how did you become the, and I know master is kind of a, you know, like you're not, you wouldn't consider yourself an expert necessarily, but how'd you get, how'd you get to this point where you're able to take not only the stuff about video, but in general, uh, so you could take it and digest it and, be able to help other people to understand it. I, I just think it's a, a personal quality of curiosity. I'm, I, I want to know everything there is to know about everything. Clearly, that's impossible. But um, I don't think there's any any surprise. It's just you know reading, putting things together, thinking about how things work. It's just part of who I am. Well, we are we are glad that is part of who you are because we benefit so greatly from it. So let's go to our next question. Thank you. Here. Number eleven. Okay, uh, this this is a great one. I think um, you you have a ton of resources available that I know you look at. What if you could tell people to go and look at one resource that you think everyone in our industry should know about? What is that one resource you think you would point people to? I know there's probably 20 of them. Well, it's just a bunch of, right, there's just a bunch of people. Um, Clark Quinn, Will Tallheimer, Miriam Nealon. Um, look, I got interested in research many years ago when I realized that some of the things that I was doing were, were making it harder for people to learn. And 
we can't do that, right? It's hard enough for people to learn. So, so um, I got interested in that and I started following um, the research whisperers, I call us, and, and <laughs> just people who are really interested in what works. Um, this, again, is just part of my personality. I would rather know the truth, even when it's going to kill me, um, than, than have somebody say something nice to me. Um, I always want to know the truth. So I started with, with those guys, um, and there's many others, um, but Will Tallheimer and, and Clark Quinn and Miriam Nealon, um, you know, just read, read those folks' stuff. Um, they're good. Um, and I would start with Clark because Clark has the ability to make things short and sweet. Um, and so if you're thinking to yourself, what, why would I choose to do this? Um, start with Clark and see if, if he doesn't, um, convince you that this, look, we need to be doing things well. Yeah. Yeah. For, for sure. And I, I will just say as a, as a plug, Clark was on the show about a year ago. We'll link, we can link to his episode. He is fantastic. He really does have just such good insights that is a good place to start. So thank you for that, Patty. All right, let's do, let's do one more question here. Let's see what the dice is going to tell us this time. Uh, we're just going to jump down to number 10. Okay. Well, Patty, you've, you've done a lot of things in your career. Uh, what would you say is next for you? Uh, probably retirement. <laughs> but but if I don't see that coming really soon. Uh, I think I'd be bored. Um, so um, Miriam Nealon and I have an agreement. Miriam said, when I start sounding like um, somebody who can't, can't talk straight, and I've got, I've got serious migraines, so, so I have some aphasia um, with that. But when I start sounding like, like what I said to her was a doddering old fool, She'll let me know and I'll stop. <laughs> I, I think doing exactly what I'm doing right now, I'm so happy doing it. Well, and we are so grateful that you do because your articles out on e-learning industry are, I, when I found those and I saw that you were doing those, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Because as we, you, you and I have talked, uh, this is a, something near and dear to my heart as someone who's been steeped in video for a long time. And I'm so grateful and I'll just say thank you from an industry, if I can do that, uh, for, for this. And <laughs> we, hope, so much. we hope you don't retire anytime soon. We just keep sharing your insights. with Probably you. not. We appreciate it. Well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. And I, the thing I appreciate more than anything is that I get to do this and I love it. So that's a great thing. Absolutely. So Patty, if there are those who are interested in following more of your research, more of your insights, things that you have to say, where should they find you? Where should they look? Um, the best place is the learning industry because they they actually asked me um, to do this for them, and we've got a great relationship. So, uh, if you go to e learning industry and put in my name P A T T I S H A N K, um, you'll get all my articles. But you can also go to my website, and then it it will point you towards other places where I've written articles and I write books. So they're there as well. And that's pattyshank.com. Awesome. Well, well, Patty, we like to, to wrap up our show with our final take. 
for the great conversation we had today. A lot, lot to, to take away. What would you say is your final take? My final take is that there's a lot to be learned um, and some of it matters a whole lot. I think the stuff on video matters a ton. For me, the biggest take are, that I've gotten so far, ask me again in three months when I've done some more articles, but is that we've got to, we've got to design for processing. I love it. And Patty, we'd love to have you come back in a couple of months when you got some more articles. We can talk more about processing and about all the other great things that you find. So thank you so much for joining us here on the Visual Thank Lounge. you. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you've gotten some great ideas. Go check out Patty's articles because they are really in-depth. There's really great information. And I love that as someone who's written a book about asking questions, she asks questions at the end of every article so you can quiz yourself and see, did you process and take away from the article? So go go check those out. You can find them. Just go elearningindustry.com. Go look for Patty Shank's name and you'll find her stuff. So much good stuff. But you know, I think the reason we talk about research and we talk about these things is because we are fundamentally committed here at the Visual Lounge. We want you to get better. We want you to make better videos, whether that means they look better, they sound better, you've got better on-screen presence, but also so they're more effective. We want you to have effective videos. And one way you can do that is simply by just taking a little time to level up every single day. Thanks everybody, talk to you soon.